hey, I think we need to talk. Those dreaded words that spark anxiety in the minds of anyone. In fact, I saw a TikTok the other day. <laughs> and it was this woman and she said, when a friend, a coworker, or someone I'm in a relationship says, hey, I think we need to talk. I always say back to them, good, because I have something I need to talk to you about so that I'm not the only one whose day is ruined by anxiety. In today's episode, we're going to examine if, in fact, you even need to have that conversation. That's the first thing you've got to start with. Like, okay, before we even figure out how to have the conversation so that it's not that painful, so that it doesn't induce anxiety, we first need to figure out, does it even need to happen? That's what we're doing here today on The Shalene Show. Okay, so in my kitchen, I know this is weird and you know this to be true if you follow me on Instagram. In my kitchen, I have a makeup drawer. That might sound strange to you, but I like to put my makeup on in the kitchen. That's like the hub of our household and the lighting is really good in there and I just love sitting up at my kitchen counter listening to a podcast and I have this really cool 10x mirror that I can suction cup to one of the cupboards. Is that what they're called? Yeah, cupboards. Yeah, where you put your dishes. Anyways, so I've got this 10x mirror that goes up in my cupboard and I just love sitting there and putting on my makeup. So this weekend I go to do that and I look and I'm like, what in the Man, my skin has seen better days. It just looked kind of like, I don't know. It just looked like it needed a really good industrial size exfoliation. And then I was thinking about it. I'm like, you know, I have gone a couple of weeks without staying true to my skincare routine. That includes my products and most importantly, the things that I do to my face. So I have this cool little tool. It's made by Trophy Skin, which by the way, they are today's show sponsor, which is really good for you because I'm going to tell you what I use. They call it the Rejuvederm, okay? So remember that, like rejuvenate your face, Rejuvederm MD. It is like having a salon quality microdermabrasion machine in your own home, but this one is awesome because it's super small and it's portable and you can take it with you. So anyways, I did my whole face on Sunday and I'm like, okay, that's what I was missing. I had forgotten to do it for a couple of weeks and it makes a difference. It's like the texture of my skin looks like I want it to look. It looks like clean and it's just amazing. Like the tone of your skin, the texture of your skin, it exfoliates all those like imperfections that sometimes you don't even see unless you're standing in front of a 10X mirror. You should definitely go to their site because they've got a bunch of different tools and they're at different prices and some of them are portable. I'm just telling you like this is the one I absolutely love because it is portable and it's super affordable. It is under $200 normally, but on top of that, you get 30% off. Thank you, Trophy Skin, for sponsoring The Shaleen Show. Lifers, that's the code you have to enter. Enter the code LIFER when you go to trophyskin.com. It's T-R-O-P-H-Y-S-K-I-N.com. Then enter the code LIFER and you get 30% off. I'm telling you, you will not be disappointed. You will love this freaking machine. They've got quite a few different products you can check out. You'll find something in your price range that will target the exact area that you're trying to target, whether it's your neck or your eyes or your face, or your skin. Trophyskin.com. Enter the code LIFER. 30% off. You will not regret it. So today we're going to figure out, do you need to have that awkward or difficult conversation? We're going to start there. More often than not, this is with a family member or a friend or a coworker. Like it's someone who you have to be around a lot. It's someone who you care about. It's someone who you have a history with. 
And families can oftentimes create these situations where you have to evaluate, is this conversation even worth having? And we've been talking a lot about family stuff lately on The Shaleen Show. I don't know if you guys know, but on Fridays, if you don't regularly listen on Fridays, I hope that you will. On Fridays, I don't offer tips necessarily. It is just what the heck is going on in my life, and it's real as I can make it, and it is as honest as I can be. Also trying to, of course, respect family members and friends who might be involved. But I do appreciate that it is resonating with a lot of you. If you haven't listened, please do listen on a Friday. Here's what Joanne had to say. And Joanne, by the way, thank you so much for this message. Literally, it's messages like this and the reviews that you guys leave for the show. It is rocket fuel for my soul. Thank you for these. Hey, Shaleen, this is Joanne. I just listened to your Alzheimer's Chronicles, and all I did the whole time was nod my head and say, yes, yes, yes. I took care of my mother-in-law for two years, and she did not have Alzheimer's. However, my father-in-law had dementia before he passed. But being the daughter-in-law of someone who did not want to continue living and cried every day, and it was difficult. And I just know the resentment I felt the sadness of looking at your husband and saying, where do we fit in? There's no easy answers. I pray for you. My mother-in-law passed right before COVID. And when she died, I felt guilty. How do you feel guilty after you took care of someone for two years? But I did. So God bless you and Brett and Bob. And I hear you. And thank you for all you do and all, your, all you give to us. Thank you. All right. So do you need to have that difficult conversation? I'm going to go over eight different questions that you want to ask yourself that will answer for you the question of like, do we need to talk about this? Does a conversation even need to happen? Again, as I mentioned in the intro, I'm not going to spend too much time talking about how to have a difficult conversation because that's a whole nother podcast. And if you want me to do that, I will. But today I wanted to start with like, is it even necessary? Like, are you causing yourself a whole bunch of stress? worrying about having this, quote, confrontation or conversation when it really doesn't even need to happen. Okay, so the first question you have to ask yourself is, is there even a possibility, a good realistic possibility that things could be different or that things will change? Now, an example of this might be this person, you've already had 20 conversations about this. You've already addressed it. You've already spelled it out. You've already written it out. You've already talked to them about it. You've already stomped your feet, you've already screamed and cried, and like, why have another conversation? Nothing's going to change, right? So why would you continue to have those conversations? Maybe there's something better you should be having instead of a conversation, which we'll talk about later. But that's the first thing you have to ask yourself, is anything going to change? So an example of a situation where there's a very high likelihood that there could be change is when maybe you haven't explained things, you haven't had a dialogue. You haven't tried to see things from their perspective. You haven't tried to explain things from your perspective. You believe that person has a desire to change or a desire to be different or that you could change. So if there's a possibility that things could improve with a loving conversation, remember, I don't believe in confrontations. I just, I don't think they're necessary. I hate that word. I think confrontation is something that it already implies that there's this anger and emotion and the person who's emotional, you know, we say stupid things and we do stupid things when we're emotional. So let's have conversations instead of confrontations. But 
you've got to ask yourself, is there a possibility that things could improve or things could change? An example of this might be you have a staff member who you you really adore, you love them, and maybe you've had this conversation in in kind of a subtle way, but you haven't been very direct about it. Or there's just another method or another approach that you think you could use and you ultimately you believe that this staff member has the ability to improve. They have the ability to do things differently or to grow. In which case, you should probably have that conversation. The number two question you have to ask yourself is, have you carefully examined the situation from their vantage point? And this is such a skill. This is a skill that as you develop it, you're going to have less and less stress and grief in your life. So often, we only see things from our perspective. It's a natural human default. It is how most people are. But you are not most people. You are an evolved individual. And the more you evolve, the more you realize that we all have this cognitive bias. We're all a little egocentric, which means it's really hard for us to see the world from anything other than our own perspective, like the situation that we're in, the way that we perceive people's responses, behaviors, the way that we see ourselves, the way that we connect with other people, all of it is very much related to or shaped by our own experiences. This makes it really hard for us to give people the benefit of the doubt. It makes it really hard for us to see things in any other way than the way we see them. It's like tunnel vision. Most of us do this. We rely very heavily on our own point of view. We only look at the events of our life. We only look at what we're doing. And we only, in fact, hear the words that our brains are looking for. Like, so we have this cognitive bias. Like, say, for example, you've decided that your husband or your wife is not pulling their weight. Therefore, because that is your belief, your brain actively looks for things to confirm or validate your belief. So even if they're doing things that are exceptionally helpful, et cetera, your brain won't even see them. It won't process them. It won't acknowledge them because it's actively looking for things that confirm your belief or your bias. And this is true of all of us. But the more evolved you become, and frankly, I think the more faith you have and the more kindness in your heart you have, the more you realize that just does not serve you. All it does is it makes you angry at other people. It makes you feel disappointed most of the time, and it makes you feel like you're righteous or like, you know, the world is against you and you're the person that does everything and you're the person who's always right and everybody else is wrong. And it's just not a fun place to be. That's not a very happy place to be. Thinking that you're always right and thinking that everybody else is disappointing you or not living up to your expectations or not pulling their own weight or whatever it is. People are disappointing you. People let you down. People hurt you. Like the stronger your cognitive biases, the more likely those sentiments are part of your vernacular. The person who has like so much cognitive bias often does come from a history of trauma, a history of hurt, a past where they had to think that way in order to protect themselves. And what it creates is kind of this victim mentality You might feel like you're being powerful and assuming that, oh, I'm just going to cut this person out of my life or this person's always hurting me or this person's always doing that or I'm always doing all the work. But really, that's just a protecting mechanism, protecting mechanism, that's hard to say. 
and that cognitive bias, that's why we practice it. But I'm here to tell you, it will not serve you when it comes to trying to figure out if you should have a conversation. Because oftentimes we haven't considered the other person's perspective. We haven't considered what they've been through, what they're doing, what they see, what they believe, and how they are interpreting our actions or the situation or the environment or the communication that has or has not happened. So the most valuable thing you can do before like launching into this conversation is just like really try to imagine that you are that person and you as that person are explaining the situation to someone else about you, meaning you, like really you. And I think that really helps to put yourself in that person's shoes and to see things from their perspective. And when you do that, you might realize, you know, this is less about a conversation and more about me exercising kindness or patience or proper role modeling or boundaries. All right, next question. You ready? What is the intent behind having this conversation? Okay, so I want you to just like literally think about that right now. P.S. You should probably save this episode because I don't know if like this very moment you're thinking about having a serious conversation with somebody, but you're definitely going to need to in the future, probably within the next couple of months. So I don't know what you need to do. Probably you should download this episode. So if like whatever device you're listening to on it, you know, sometimes you can stream an episode or you can download an episode. You should download this one. Because you're going to need it in the future. All right, so what is your intent? What's the purpose of having this conversation? Let me give you some options. Is it because you want to hurt someone? And I know that seems like, well, of course I'd never want to hurt someone. But sometimes we do want to have conversations and we want to tell people like, you know, you've really hurt me. And so now I want to tell you all the things that I don't like about you or that you've done wrong. And like, you know, that's a conversation to hurt. We might want to punish someone. We might want to have a conversation to teach someone a lesson or to, quote, hold someone accountable. We might want to have a conversation because we actually want to enlighten someone. We might need to have a conversation for our own closure. We might want to have a conversation because we need to communicate a boundary or to help deepen an understanding, an explanation, whatever your intent is. I now need you to ask yourself, what is the likelihood that having a conversation will actually accomplish my intent? Does it even make sense? Like, if your intent is to punish someone, you shouldn't have that conversation because the only person you'll punish is yourself. If your intent is for closure, great, as long as you have zero expectations of how the other person is going to respond. A therapist is going to tell you, if you need to have that conversation for yourself, for the purpose of closure, that's okay, provided you have zero expectation of how the other person will respond. Because if you're thinking that the closure will happen because they will acknowledge their wrongdoing or the errors of their ways, if that closure is dependent in any way upon how they respond or that they give you an apology or they seem remorseful, then you won't get that closure. So remember that That's not closure if you're expecting them to respond a certain way or state it a better way. If the closure you're seeking is dependent upon a response from them, then a conversation isn't the right way to go. 
because a conversation implies that it goes both ways. Really, if you're looking for closure, you want them to know what you're feeling. You don't expect them to change. You just need to let them know that you know. Well, then that's a monologue. That's not a conversation. And frankly, personally, I would tell you to put it in writing or record it. Because <laughs> oftentimes you get with somebody and they're going to interrupt you and they're going to challenge you. And now there's like no closure at all, right? Like you've just given them the opportunity to make you feel worse about it. So truly, if you just want to like get it off your chest with somebody and be done with that person forever and ever and ever, put it in a voice note or put it in writing and send it to them. But again, that's really not a conversation. That's a monologue. That's a statement. But when it comes to that conversation, you just have to ask yourself, okay, so what is my goal? What is the intent behind the conversation that I want to have? And do I really want this to be a conversation? Do I really want there to be a dialogue back and forth? So spend some time really thinking about what is your intent. And I'm right now thinking about times in the past where I've had to have like kind of uncomfortable conversations. And I first had to start with that very first question, like, was there a possibility that things could be different, that there could be a change? And the answer was yes. Did I try to examine the situation from their vantage point 100%? And that helped me to develop how to address the conversation, number one. And number two, it really helped me to have empathy, helped me to have understanding and to stay calm and to be peaceful. It helped me to be more grace-giving and to be more patient, understanding, to stay calmer in the conversation. And then when I thought about what was my intent, I'm thinking about like two different like serious conversations I've had to have recently. I remember my intent in both of these situations was to enlighten and to reach an agreement that felt like it was a win-win. It was to move forward. It was to grow. It was to help all of us. So that was question number three. Question number four you need to ask yourself is, will this help the situation or relationship? Or is it just going to make things worse. For example, I have a friend who believes that her sister is in an abusive relationship. Her sister has been virtually isolated by her husband from all of the other friends and family members. Like literally almost everyone who was close to her now has been alienated. So basically the only person who's still in contact with this sister is basically my friend. And her fear is, and I think rightfully so, that by bringing up her concerns, again, she will only be alienated. She'll be isolated as well. And she fears for her sister's safety. So she's maintaining the relationship without having a conversation that might end up in her sister further alienating her. Like she's seeing this as her lifeline. And I think that's a calculated risk that's a decision that she's made where she believes that she could do more harm than good, and it may be a matter of timing, which is the next question you need to ask yourself, which is, if there is, in fact, a conversation that needs to be had, when is it the best time to have this conversation? Is this the best time for this conversation? Do I have the option, the ability to wait? Not that there's ever going to be like a perfect time, but could there be a better time? If people are under a great deal of stress or emotions are high, it's really not a good time to have the conversation. Yet, sometimes you have to, like you have no other choice. It's a matter of life and death. But you just have to ask yourself, like, can this wait? What is the harm in this conversation waiting till such a time that people are actually receptive to the message? I mean, 
you've been in that situation, right? Where you're like really upset and you're just focused on getting through something. That's just the wrong time for someone to approach you about having a conversation. So even though you might be really upset about something and the other person's really upset about something and maybe it's the same thing, but if you're both upset and you think this conversation needs to happen, I'm here to tell you it's not going to be received well by the recipient. Like, again, think about your intent and what your goal is, and you are not likely to achieve your goal if there's emotion involved. Okay, so this is another one of those circumstances where you have got to put yourself in the other person's shoes. You have to imagine what it is they're experiencing. You need to know a little bit about what's going on outside of this current situation or this thing that you want to have a conversation about. You've got to know like what's going on in their family, what's going on at work. And not that, again, you have to have kid gloves or that there's every perfect time, but there might just be a better time. And a better time is going to help you accomplish your goal of a conversation, of a dialogue, of communication, of having there be some kind of change, some kind of improvement. Next, you need to ask yourself if this is the right person to be having the conversation with. Okay, so I'm just going to, again, relate this to myself. If I am frustrated with one of my kids, does it make sense for me to be having the conversation with my husband when I should be having the conversation with one of my kids? Or let's say you are frustrated with your mother-in-law or your father-in-law or your sister or your brother, and instead of having a conversation with them, you go to your spouse or you go to another family member and expect them to handle it for you, you know, again, is this the right conversation with the right person? Maybe it's a colleague at work that you're having difficulties with, and you're having difficulties with one very specific individual, yet you decide to address it with the whole team, where it really could have been a one-on-one conversation. So again, you've got to ask yourself, have I selected the right target? Am I going directly to the source, or am I instead taking the easy route out and going to the person where I'm most comfortable. You know, we see this a lot of times with kids, especially in a divorce. I can think of a friend of mine in particular who's got two kids and one of them really struggles to maintain a relationship with their father. So the primary, you know, parent all the way around is mom. That child tends to lash out in anger towards mom. And of course it's going to happen because That child isn't having any regular conversations or relationships with her father at this stage in her life. And so I know that's like kind of a different situation, but it illustrates in my mind the example of how it is often most comfortable for us to take out our emotions and to communicate the things that we want to communicate with the wrong person, but we need to do it with somebody and this person is the safest, if that makes sense. So you've got to ask yourself, is the person who I want to have this conversation with, is it the right person or is it simply the safest person? And the last question you need to ask yourself is, is a conversation the right way to have a resolution? In other words, is it better for you to just make a quiet decision and move on? Do you need to have a conversation? Especially if there's no chance of things ever changing, if you know that this person doesn't even have the ability to understand or to change or for things to be different, then what's the point of the conversation? Maybe you just make a quiet decision to separate yourself. Maybe 
better than having a conversation is to just role model the type of behavior that you hope this person sees as positive. Maybe what you need to have is a monologue, an explanation of a boundary. Maybe you need to establish a boundary or tell people what your expectations are. And that again, that is very different from a conversation. A conversation implies that we are dialoguing. I'm sharing with you an explanation, my thoughts, my feelings. You're sharing with me yours, and we reach kind of some type of agreement that feels hopefully better for both of us where we can grow from it and move on and improve. But there are certain situations where that just ain't going to happen, y'all. A lot of the people in your life are just not nearly as healthy as you are. Facts. I mean, frankly, the older I get and the more people I meet, the more I realize that meeting someone who's healthy is very rare. The majority of the people in your life haven't done therapy. They have had past traumas. They've had past experiences that have left them wounded and broken. And that's just life. That is the norm. That is what's normal. What is kind of more rare, I'm learning, are people who have had that happen and then realize, oh, I can do something about this. I can go to therapy. I can work on myself. I can process through these things. I can grow from them. I can heal from them. I personally think you're going to have a much better time in life the sooner you recognize that most people are not healthy. Most people are wounded. Most people are hurt. Most. Maybe that's cynical. I don't think it is. (laughs) I think it's just facts. And it allows me to live a much happier life because I don't want to say I lower my expectations, but my expectations are much more realistic when I realize most people have unresolved traumas. They have issues that they try to push down for years and years and years. And y'all, it doesn't go away. If you don't deal with it in your 20s, then it's going to rear its ugly head in its 30s, oftentimes hitting a rock bottom in your 40s. And then you just maintain that rock bottom until you die, just making it worse and making all of your kids deal with it. Or you go to therapy and you realize like, hey, I can be like a completely different person. I can process through these things. I can be healthier. And yeah, that takes a pretty strong individual. And the fact of the matter is, there are fewer healthy people than there are broken, unhappy people who still need to go to therapy. (sighs) Every day I meet someone who says, you know, because you talked about it over and over and over again, I finally got up the courage to either go back to therapy or to find a therapist. And like, I'm so glad that I did. I've never met a soul who said, you know, because you talked about therapy, I tried it and my life got worse. Every single person over the last, you know, 10 years that I've been doing this has said, wow, why did I wait? This is an episode that should be sponsored by one of our therapy specialists. But you know what? Just look into it, y'all. Okay, that's it. Those are the questions you need to ask yourself before putting yourself in a situation where you have to have that difficult conversation. If you would like some insight on how to have a difficult conversation, I'd love to do that episode. I just need to hear from you. You let me know if that's content, you know, specific strategies and tips that I can share with you because I've had a lot of those difficult conversations. And you know what? I don't enter into them lightly. I think I ask myself all of these questions I review how I'm going to do it. I put notes down on paper. I think about it for a long time. I make sure all the emotion is removed. And I have a process that I go through to have difficult conversations so that they are less painful for everybody. And most importantly, so that the objective, like the goal that I'm aiming for when I start the conversation, that we reach that goal. 
So if that's something you're interested in, let me know. And it'd be kind of cool if you wouldn't mind, like, tell me just generally, just a little synopsis of what is the situation or like, who is the person you need to have this conversation with? If you can tell me that in like five sentences or less on Instagram, that would be great. But even cooler is if you would leave me a voicemail message. My number that you can leave that message is below in our show notes. Just a quick number. If you're in the US, you can call that number and just leave me a voicemail message. You can do it anonymously if you'd like. And or you can leave me a voicemail message by going to my website, shaleen.com and click on, I think it says leave a message. Yeah, pretty much. All right, that's it for now. Listen, I love you. I mean it. And I will talk to you soon.